0: Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian.
1: And this is Light, your light-fingered thief. Logar, I seem to have gotten lost in a forest here.
0: Lost in the forest? What forest did you get lost in?
1: I don't know. There's a lot of forests that we've been through, so <laughs> I guess it depends on which forest we're playing in.
0: Well, I know there's plenty of forests in Greyhawk. There's plenty of forests in Galarin. Isn't that what it's called, Pathfinder's World? Do you even know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. I don't, I don't... Play Pathfinder oh. and I was like, I'm familiar with the forest and like uh Dragonlance and <laughs> some of the other ones.
0: It was a the setting itself came out before the Pathfinder game. It was actually a setting that was in like the, the dragon mags and stuff like that, is where it kind of came from. Oh interesting.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm curious about you know different settings. Well,
0: I was reading on the the Twitter, <laughs> and that's it was a Twitter post posted by Goblin Scribe Gaming at school. Squ- scribe goblin there's their their handle at s-c-r-i-b-e-g-o-b-l-i-n and they put a little poll up there i thought was interesting got me thinking that's where i'm getting this topic today from (laughs) and the poll they put up said calling all gamers sound off how important is a world setting in your tabletop rpgs core rule book so how important do you think that is like
1: so for me, I think it depends. I mean, so the way I define core rule book would be like a core rule set or core mechanic. Um, I think it really depends on your play group, on what type of environment they want to play in. For me, you can homebrew stuff if you have time. That said, I also like to play fixed world settings, like for example, in Raveloft or Dragonlance, or even some of the Call of Cthulhu, like say 1920 settings. But, you know, including as part of your core rule set,
0: I don't think it's critical. So I think there's two different approaches to this. And there's two di- very different things. If you look at Dungeons and Dragons or the game alternative that, that TSR put out in the late 90s, they put out a generic rule set for fantasy or for science fiction RPGs. I don't think those are important to have the setting in. Right. But if agreed. you, yeah, well, if you look at a game like, let's say Free League's Alien game or Tales from the Loop, Tales from the Loop is a strange sci-fi alternate world of the 80s. The point of those games kind of lies in the setting. So I think that while there are a lot of games, that I think it's important to have that because it's kind of the selling point of the game. There's also games I prefer not to have setting information.
1: So for Tales from the Loop and Alien, you know, those are specific... World settings, like you said. So I I don't, you know, I differentiate that, like you said, versus like a core, core rule book mechanic. So, you know, Free League released, you know, the Free League core mechanics by itself. I think that's fine. And then you have like supplements or road settings that go along with it. I think that's fine. So I would agree with you that for any base setting or base core mechanic rule book, you don't need a setting because for like d d or Castles of Crusades, I've never played those settings that went along with it you know even with swords and wizardry from frog god games right we mix and match
0: (laughs) a lot like swords and wizardry doesn't have a setting attached to it but there is settings that are available for it and those are we're talking about a core book itself i do think that looking at take for instance the marvel Role-playing game, the superheroes, the old face group Marvel superheroes role-playing game. The point of the game being to play Marvel heroes, it kind of makes sense to have some of that setting and character information in that game.
1: That's a branded source book, though,
0: <laughs> for Marvel. So there's I think that there's different types of games, and I think it's gonna depend in the in the long run. I don't like I'm not thrilled with the fact. So I just picked up the Pathfinder second edition book, and I've I'm gonna go in my Pathfinder talk now. <laughs> I like the Pathfinder setting. I ran Rise of the Rune Lords. It's the only adventure I've ran for Pathfinder. And it's been some years. And I've, I have explored the world they have there and read the books. And they do some great world building. They have some cool stuff. In the original first edition Pathfinder book, there wasn't any of that setting information. All the setting information for what they were calling at the time the Inner Sea World or Golarion was in a, in a separate book. Apparently, the second edition though has a whole chapter kind of introducing it. They're calling it the Lost Omens, Age of Lost Omens now instead of that. They've kind of changed what they're calling it, I think. And that setting information is there in the second edition book. And I don't feel that it. I feel that that's probably not the best place for it. Like I, I like that as a big generic system but it seems that they've made a change or a shift over to presenting it as a system that's specifically for their world and kind of pushing that world there. Cause that's their selling point. Does
1: yeah. that make sense? Yeah. For something like that, you know, I, am not a big fan of that either. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't be using their setting necessarily. Um, if I had other worlds I wanted to play in using the Pathfinder room mechanic let's say
0: i would use their setting depending on what it is because they have a lot of really fleshed out big popular adventure paths that are set around it i think running one of those adventure paths like yeah let's use pathfinder and that would make sense too but there's also third-party creators who create setting books as well and other things for pathfinder first edition more so than second so at the end of the day A lot of generic fantasy rules or generic sci fi rules don't need it, but still, even Traveler has some sort of element that creates a setting in the book, even though it's kind of a generic sci fi game.
1: Yeah, again, I'm looking at it from like, you know, branded type of role playing games, you know, like the Star Wars role playing game is in the Star Wars universe and they use their own mechanic, you know, game mechanic there. I wouldn't use that game mechanic in other games or anything like that but if i want to play star wars i probably play you know the star wars role-playing game right well or that's, doctor who or something else like that
0: well that setting or that system for the star wars game while well, the star wars core books are heavily heavily setting books they also have released a generic form of that system with other settings as well so there's a core book you can purchase outside of that that just runs that i think it's called the genesis system is what they ended up calling the court book and i've oh, not picked yeah. that up yeah. I've only picked up the, the, the new Fantasy Flight Star Wars game. There's like three core books and a few other little books to go with it. as a Starter sets. And I still haven't had a chance to run it. But like I said, if it's the Star Wars role-playing game setting is what it's all about, it's kind of what you're buying it for. Yeah, you're, you're buying it for Star Wars. You're not buying it for
1: the Genesis system. So for me, there'll be systems that I might buy for the branded aspect of it, like you said, with uh, Aliens or Star Wars or Doctor Who because I want to play Doctor Who or I want to play Star Wars. But if I'm buying a game for the core rule mechanic, I care less about the setting because I'm just going to reskin most of their modules perhaps for whatever world we're playing in.
0: Now there's other games like how familiar are you with Into the Odd? Nope, not not familiar with that one. When you start looking at good books like that, the the setting stuff is kind of built into the game itself. It's not like going through trying to describe it all, but there's elements of the setting that seeps into the actual game just in like the charts and everything that it builds so it kind of does the world building for you it doesn't make it as solid where you have to follow this specific thing but it it, it seeps in through the rule system and that's the thing i'm seeing a little bit more popping up in other games so how important the four the four options that they had on the poll that they put up for that twitter post uh goblin scribe gaming was must-have, not important. I only homebrew worlds and just a small overview. I, I used to be a hardcore only homebrew person, and I've changed. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, for me, I think um, having the overview would be good. Um, that's where I would lean towards. I don't think you need a fully fleshed out world. But again, it depends on your game group and what type of campaign you're, you want to run, right? If you're going to run a long, long campaign, then... You might something might want something that's a little bit more fleshed out but i think there's enough material out within the osr world that you can pick and choose as you need you know for example yes. in hyperborea the game that we're playing right now stunning swordsman and sorcerers of hyperborea you have sea environments you have desert environment you have cold winter arctic environments so there's plenty
0: of source material from many different areas to play that and it's well, true I- for any
1: other game you know
0: well hyperborea itself is heavy on the setting in the core book and that works for what you're playing there. It, it, it's it's going for that sword and sorcery style, that Conan feel. And that's an example of a book I think that works because the book itself is so heavy. Specific, with, yeah. And your classes fit that specific setting in there. So here's an example I'm seeing where I feel that having the setting information is very important to the game itself and the core book and was kind of what makes it. It's why I would play that. Instead of just picking up my old AD&D or the Osric book and going with the classic AD&D, because it's the same game, the same rule system. Sure. But what makes it different is the setting. And that's kind of is the selling point. So there, I think there are examples where the game thrives because of the setting information. The other one I'd say is a big one that is Coriolis Yep. It's a science fiction game from Free League. It's very different. It's like not as if the Western world had colonized, but it, it kind of leans into a, a Middle Eastern culture that has colonized the, outer, the stars space. and outer yep. space. And it's got a very unique flavor and feel and history to it. And that is kind of a selling point of the core book in the game is learning about this world the rules aren't overly complicated in those free league games. So you're not making a giant book full of just rules, but the rules supplement or help you to be able to run a game in that setting.
1: No, that's true. I guess from when I was looking at the setting, I was looking more from the um, environments, but you're right. There are stuff that are specific for classes and rules. Cause I were like in Dragonlance, you know, they're very specific rules on magic users and clerics, for example, that are very unique to the uh, Dragonlance universe. So something like that creates a very unique setting there.
0: Well, look back to AD&D, when we were first getting into all the different settings and all that, like the Dragonlance and the Greyhawk and the Forgotten Realms books that they put out were kind of like D&D was that generic system. And then you have all these changes to it from magic and everything else, like you were saying, that were in those books. They had a yellow spine there was a yellow spined Greyhawk. there was a yellow spine dragon lance one for ad and d i think the forgotten realms was one of the black spine second edition ones but i may be wrong it may have been ad and d i can't recall if forgotten realms was first or second uh, i think that was second but i think it was second edition yeah because i don't remember seeing it first now that's one thing we're gonna have to do sometime bringing up these forgotten realms and Greyhawk is we're gonna have to sit here And start going over some of the specific settings of D&D's past history that were so legendary and big through the 80s and 90s, because there's some cool stuff there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there is. I mean, it's supposed to be all interconnected via the Greyhawk universe or the Forgotten Realms. But again, you know, unless you're doing like a very long campaign where you're going to be, you know, building a stronghold and a dominion, you know, that has less impact to the overall big picture of the continent, let's say.
0: Well, we're coming about on time. If you've enjoyed this program, please share it with your friends. Log on to whatever you're listening to it with and give us a positive review. You can find us on Facebook. Just search Wobblies and Wizards. Give us a like and a follow. We're online at wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. You can find me on the Twitter at Crom and keep those dice rolling.
1: Keep them rolling no matter what game you're may you be playing.